Subprime Directive. The Federation Protocol stating, all Starfleet logs are subject to analysis, comparison, praise, and judgment. The following recordings are of senior officers exercising their duty to enforce the Subprime Directive. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Subprime Directive, a podcast where we tear apart and analyze and enjoy and talk about whatever Star Trek episode or movie we want. I am your commanding officer, interim, Captain Dustin. Who else do we have on the bridge today? My name is Pavel Andreevich Chekhov, and I am looking for the Nukarawessel. Do you know where the Nukarawessel is? Well, with the nurse gone, I'm chief medical officer. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Blair. We got we got three people in the house today, and we're going to talk about the Menagerie Part 2 from the original series. So let's not waste any time and get to it. Uh, last episode, we did an elevator pitch for Part 1, and Blair said, it's a human zoo. So Blair, what's your elevator pitch for Part 2 of Menagerie? A human zoo with a heaven ward. Nice. Perfect. This episode was a really great way to clarify the difference between the cage, the original pilot, and what they wanted to add to it. Because it was still definitely mostly a clip show of the cage. But when we found out that Spock just wanted to get his former captain to like an illusion heaven, like it's really sweet. It's it's more isn't it honestly more of a clip show isn't there like much much yeah, more cage it's in most this, in of this part episode? two is the cage like yeah 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 two thirds <laughs> of it is if not three fourths of it is the cage <laughs> which I don't want to be despairing or anything but I, I will say I think I enjoy uh, part one more just because I, I really enjoy the Spock uh, Kirk dynamic very for much. sure there wasn't yeah there wasn't as much cock uh, Spock <laughs> Spock there's no Kirk. cock in this episode well there's a little bit it's off camera. <laughs> so when Mendez disappeared and Spock looks at Kirk, I think that has the same amount of emotional weight of like the whole 25 minutes of them back and forthing in the first half. I don't know. What was the Kirk, the Kirk vibe for y'all during this part? Like, this is a, a roundabout way of answering your question, but I kind of, I think what I like about these two episodes is that Kirk is very much like he is in Star Trek, the motion picture, which I like a lot. Like he's just very like focused on a task, trying to figure it out. And, and a lot of people have said this, the misconception with Kirk is that he's like a bro. He's like a frat douche. He just wants to fuck. And it's like, no, Kirk is like a real good Starfleet officer. I mean, you know, he, he destroys the temporal prime directive many times over. But other than that, <laughs> well, and, and I guess the regular prime directive too sometimes. But, you know, what can you do? Well, so I, the, the prime directive wasn't, was it codified in TOS? It, it, uh, from everything I've read, it is. It was definitely okay. spoken about a lot more than in other series. <laughs> yeah, well, because Enterprise has that line where Archer's just like, it's kind of the worst line in Enterprise, in, in my humble opinion, where Archer's just like, he's like, you know, someday there's going to be a, a some kind of directive that limits what we can and can't do with, <laughs> with societies. It's like, yeah, okay, we get it. We get It'll have it. great primacy in Starfleet. <laughs> Um, so with, uh, the, you know, it's a clip show a bit uh, from the cage, but, um, it seems like they imply that Spock reached out to them to be like, Hey, my captain's like a vegetable. Can I bring him back to have like a heaven? <laughs> all, all, all pikes go to heaven. 
the Telosians like were technically expecting him. Like, do you think that Spock was in communication with the Telosians when they were on the outpost planet? Because that means that they they illusioned Mendez from the st- from the planet, from the outpost. What I had gathered is that that it's that was the real Mendez, and then it was when they when they're when uh, Kirk goes in the shuttle with him. But I guess that doesn't make any sense. Like, Even if he goes in the shuttle, that means that the Telosians had the ability to create an illusion on the outpost planet. Yeah, that's true, actually, yeah. So that means that Spock's deal with the Telosians was way premeditated. It's also kind of horrific. Mm-hmm. It's kind of got a little bit of the uh, changeling vibe to it. Like, remember oh. uh, in the one episode where um, you find out that that diplomat like, wasn't real the whole time, that it was just a, a changeling oh, yeah. impersonating like a Federation official? And it's kind of the same like vibe in this episode. It's like kind of a little bit horrific, you know? Like... What makes, if Kirk had confided in Mendez and told him like his deepest, darkest secrets? It, like, makes, oh, my, it of... makes me think about being on AOL chat rooms when I was like 12 when they oh, started yeah. existing and like <laughs> and it was like sexy chat room and you like were interacting with a bot and you didn't know it. Or and, or me and my friends being shitheads pretending to be. Yeah, or I was just people. interacting with you and your shithead friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, the Internet's a scary place. It is. It is. <laughs> um. Can I ask, does anyone know? I don't want to look this up because I think it'd be more fun for us to guess. So um, I recently downloaded the, uh, or I recently came into financial acquisition of the uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine technical manual. And they talk about uh, like index cultures. And it says, by itself, the Cardassian Union constitutes an index 21 culture on the wild wheel, we brand logo whatever scale of one to a hundred where one equals any pre-warp civilization and 100 equals the base level the unaffected races such as the catharians the Tikan, and ultimately the q where do the telosians stand on that if cardassia is a 21 and the federation is a 23 are they probably they're probably not like a hundred i mean well, if 100 the telosians like are fully corporal we know that because pike is choking his ass out you can't choke oh, out a yeah. Q. <laughs> oh, oh, and uh, for, here's here's a good um, the 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 wormhole aliens are a ninety, so they're not quite all the way, but they're real high. The Telogians are definitely under the wormhole aliens, right? I mean, those those things can like manipulate time and space. Oh yeah, not only not only that, but like the I mean, the Telosians are on the ver- on the absolute brink. So I mean, it's like really they have very I mean they have very potent illusions, but that's. That's it. Oh, that's true. They're like basically an endangered species. Like, yeah, Venus said. Venus, Venus says to Pike uh, that for thousands of centuries they've been working on their intellect alone, and uh, that's fucking dangerous, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's also there's also it's like the there's almost that the machine stops thing where they forget how their own how their own machines work. You know, so they really only have this mental, yeah, they only have their mind palace that they hide in. Like, Star Trek is, like, it's definitely a secular show. Like, it's definitely about, like, progress, both in the scientific and, like, societal sense. But I, but very rarely in Star Trek are people who pursue knowledge for single-mindedly, rarely are those people the good guys, you know? I mean, the Cardassians are, like, disgustingly... Uh, egotistical and like you know boastful of like their achievements um there was that what was that disgusting race in voyager that was like doing experiments on the crew 
like without their knowledge. Oh, like the shadow race that was like had like fourth dimensional things on their bodies. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, just yeah, like it's yeah. like it's like rarely are like it, like Star Trek is about scientific discovery and innovation, but it's about those things for a higher purpose. Like like if, if yeah. science is just for science, it's 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 like kind of fa- fascistic. Like if if it's just a technocracy, you know, like if there's no other thing that is your political aim, you know, like the Federation's aim is always equality. It's always yeah. uh, complete diversity. Like I think what Star Trek gets at in in all iterations is there's always an episode or two where there's uh, a race that wants to study us and make us pets and zoo animals and things mm-hmm. like that. Federation species, we never try to do that. We just try to study them from a distance and not interrupt. And a lot of times that in episodes, there's there's a race that wants to capture and manipulate and study things, you know, like, yeah. And at, at its most extreme, it's the Borg. I mean, you can say the Telosians are a uh, a blueprint for Borg. Because all because I, I literally was just watching one of my favorite episodes today, the Omega Directive, and it's like the Borg's whole thing is that they're trying to seek out perfection. They're trying yeah. to find the like the, the 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 edge of limits and go beyond that and go to like uh, human uh, technological and like intellectual perfection. And the Talosians yeah. have learned everything they could about their own intelligence living alone in this fucking bunker. So whenever they acquire another species, they try to sap as much information and experience out of them as possible which is literally what the borg do except the borg utilize it yeah they assimilate well and the borg also uh what does seven say like they don't retain non-useful information yeah so like like <laughs> cultural minutiae just goes out the fucking window because the borg because you can't build like a, a plasma generator with that so who is and this also... carly ray jepson i do not understand <laughs> this will be removed from <laughs> the borg sphere do you do you think the Borg or do you think the the Telosians also would not study the Kazon like the Borg did and just <laughs> skip them entirely? No, I think that the Telosians would be ob- obsessed with pop culture and its like minutia and uselessness. They'd be fascinated by it. That's true. That's very because true. they're fascinated. Why do you think they put the uh you know the um the the fantasies that they give Pike like the second one with the with the slave girl like that is total like gonzo you say that's gonzo yet i no i mean you're right but i distinctly remember there being a castle scene which i think we need to talk about <laughs> well i didn't I, know okay. yeah like the castle <laughs> scene i didn't realize i know i know i mean archer comes to, not captain archer the show archer comes to mind as making the joke but it's like i've seen a joke about so many times i didn't realize where it came from was it where yeah just like this castle where there's just a large man that roars with a bear effect no <laughs> You just makes animal oh, yeah. sounds. Yeah, and like, and it's just funny because in like when you're watching it, like it's the sound of an actual like dragon or bear, and it's just a dude <laughs> in heavy makeup that's probably six foot five, and Honestly, has though, no other acting skills except being a large person. <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. take that over when uh, Data wandered into that Renaissance village and was like, like just like was shooting computer sounds at people oh yeah <laughs> that is not how you that's not how you make yourself uh <laughs> anonymous can you can you imagine like watching the first pilot like watching the pilot being like oh it's this like weird new sci-fi like show called like star trek and then just being like a castle like what? <laughs> uh one thing that really like freaked me out about watching this the like you know you're in a dream, but the dream keeps trying to make you forget. Like, 
I'm a oh, very yeah. I'm a very vivid dreamer. I don't know about y'all. Um, oh yeah. Sometimes I have dreams that I feel like I spent days in, and I and I wake up multiple times. That's one of my main problems that piss me off is I wake up multiple times and I have to do those trigger things where I'm like, go read a book, go open a book and try to read it, and then you read it and you're like, okay, so I'm awake, and then you're like, wait, I'm not awake. And so, like, your dream's trying to trick you that you're awake. I don't know. Do y'all ever have that stuff happen? <laughs> oh, I don't, actually. I mean, because I, I lucid dream a fair amount. So, generally, like, it's not too... My mind just, like, immediately accepts I'm in a dream a lot of times. I mean, it does happen sometimes. But, well, also, I physically wake up because Spyro makes me have to pee every night. So, I'm usually up at least twice in the night. Yeah, I mean, I'm on... I guess we have all... we have the whole spectrum represented because I like, I very rarely remember my dreams. And when I do, it's like, I'm, I'm just in them. And then I wake up. I am um, so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes, yeah, like, I mean, the, the worst ones is, you know, it's like, I'll have a stress dream about work and then wake up and then have to go to work. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's like, like I, I feel like, I feel like in a socialist society, we'll be able to like, charge that time towards whatever credits we get you know oh absolutely oh, i dreamed that I, I dreamed that i was at work so give me like four hours oh absolutely <laughs> that would be or great just be like or just be like 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 text your place and be like i already you know i was already there <laughs> i was i was already on the clock that's what i love about <laughs> what the telosians developed is they developed the ability to create illusions that are actually tactile it's not a holodeck it is like yeah, man it's see, manifestation through thought instead. So they're literally like making their dreams come true and then they figure out how to project their dreams into other places. Although they're doing okay. it in a negative way. Okay, I, I might be of the I might be a little bit of contrary opinion where I, yeah. I enjoy more where it's like the holodeck or I re I really like the section thirty one stuff. I like when it's like a very big elaborate like holodeck ruse. Um this episode is kind of against the uh the like war game idea like um a lot of those like uh like rand institute psychopaths of the like 50s and 60s who are basically like oh let's crunch the numbers how many nukes can the world take and like all of us still be fine and stuff and it's like the telosians have that same kind of disregard you know that same kind of callous that you know they, they're just single-mindedly going but they forward. did it they destroyed themselves yeah they destroyed their yeah planet. yeah yeah they actually did it they're like what if and then they and then somebody said okay let's do it well, just like humans and Vulcans. Yeah. That's three species. But I also think it's it's interesting in that like they have an extremely high opinion of themselves, but they mm -hmm. don't have they don't have they don't have a lot of I don't think they have a lot of ego about their species. Because I think it's I think it's very interesting that they're not really tr they're trying to pass on their culture, but they're not trying they're not trying to like survive to as propagate. a species. Yeah, they're not trying to you know, it's not like oh yeah, oh yeah, we need your genes for a hybrid or something, you know. Yeah. It's like it's like that's like no, we're, that's we're, a good point. We're trying to select. We're trying to select a species that is an appropriate heir. They're using the guise of altruism to to capture these other species. Vina Vina hints at the fact that there are not the there's several other species in Menagerie somewhere on the planet, and it's funny because uh, the human zoo thing. Like, I mean, Futurama did it. Rick and Morty did it. Uh, yeah, that like Star Trek knockoff show, the Orville did it. The Orville did it. Well, Orville is definitely just intentionally yeah, Star, Star Trek. I mean, they have yeah. several people from Star Trek in the Orville, so whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm not like coming for him or anything. Like, I enjoy watching the Orville because it's easy to watch, but I'm not gonna sit around and be a 
fanboy about it. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's like Red Letter Media said, like, what's to be a fan about? It's just if you like the Orville, you just like Star Trek. I haven't seen the Orville, so I have no no objection or you know love <laughs> love for yeah. it. Yeah, my only distaste for the Orville is its is its uh, usefulness to you know. Or I guess it's use as a foil against anything that anything progressive that happens in any other Star Trek. Mm. You know, a th- a, you know, a million mm. people can mm. say, "Well, if I, you know, it's like, I mean, at this point, I'll just watch the Orville." Like, shut the fuck up. I think I'm I'm excited on this show to do uh to do an episode of Disco. I I know I have for a lot of friends that have very varied opinions on it, um and and I think I'm trying to be a little better at not kind of like tensing up with new media you know it's, it's easy to go back and watch like good voyager episodes or good ds9 episodes but i'm trying to get a little better it's at like comforting myself yeah but i but but all that being said you're not going to get me to watch fucking picard anytime soon i'll do it for this <laughs> show i will do it for our podcast but i'm not going to do it on my own all right so here is Pike and company overloading a phaser to blow everybody up. Is this a deception? Do you intend to destroy yourselves? What is that? The weapon is building up an overload, a force chamber explosion. You still have time to get underground. Well, go on! Just to show you how primitive humans are, Tulosian, you go with her. If, if you all think it's this important, then... I can't go either. I suppose if they have one human being, they might try again. Their method of storing records is crude and consumed much time. Are you prepared to assimilate it? We had not believed this possible. The customs and history of your race show a unique hatred of captivity. Even when it's pleasant and benevolent, you prefer death. This makes you too violent and dangerous a species for our needs. Did you hear that? Are you prepared to assimilate it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also, I also mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. that, a, that a lot of uh, species, like when it comes to humans, it's just like uh, like that. Wayun was just like, oh, we just need to kill everyone on Earth. Like that's the only way we're going to deal with this. <laughs> like, just execute every single person on that well, planet. Well, but also that's that's the thing about bluffing. It's it, they're showing Pike is bluffing, and the Telosians don't understand primitive emotions. So they don't understand mm. the advantage of bluffing. Mm, that's a good point. That's a really good point, actually. I mean, do you, well, actually, do you guys think he was bluffing? I don't think he was. I, I think he was. I don't think she was. I think she just went for it, and he was going to call her off regardless. I think she was ready. But there are so many episodes where, like, Starfleet officers are just like, Okay, time to ram the fucking ship, you know, like the Starfleet officers are always ready to sacrifice themselves. If the I mean, remember Riker was going to just take the Enterprise D into the fucking Borg cube. Um mm. Yeah. So I guess you'd say like instead of instead of bluffing like transparent. Yeah, really just re- I mean just like resolved. I I guess I would say. So like they're just resol- yeah, they're resolved to they're resolved to freedom or death. Yeah, they have resolve, yeah. We can quote the episode we already brought up, the Voyager one. Remember Janeway's solution to those fucking psychopaths was she was going to ram the ship into it like uh, like a sun. And they were just like, they were like, you're not going to actually do it. And she's like, Paris, like, set heading. You know, like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, just straight into that fucking sun. Like, and, and, they, and they finally called out. And it's just like, it's a good start. That's a good start. If I'm writing a Star Trek episode and you have like, what, one of 30 
types of plots. This is a good one. I enjoy this type of uh Yeah, or uh or you know, Picard Picard getting ready to blow up the ship rather than let a third of his crew get experimented on by that green like the Negan or whatever that horrible green thing was. And uh he's like, I have to study human death. Don't worry, I'll share the results with you, and only a third of your crew has to die. Cause they're, cause that, I mean, that like sacrificing yourself is like, and even just being ready to sacrifice yourself, like people might say it's an authoritarian trait, but it's, I also think it's a communist trait, you know, being able, being willing at all stages to make the ultimate sacrifice, depending, cause a big thing also is that they're also willing to die sometimes to preserve the prime directive. I mean, that was the episode like where Archer and uh, Malcolm were going to die. And yeah. Archer's just like, yeah, it sucks, but like, you know, we're Starfleet officers. Like, this is basically what we signed up for. I think a hard thing in our current society is to decide what you're sacrificing for on a day-to-day and whether it's tied to capital. I uh, regularly, when I get really high, when I'm petting spaghetti, I regularly tell her that I would take a bullet for her. And yeah, I mean it. it's about, it's about, it's about <laughs> sacrificing for the sake of actual, like, survival and, like, livelihood. It's not about... And, and principles, too. I mean, that's a big thing with Star Trek. Like, also sacrificing, like, when, when the alternative is doing things that are intolerable to your baseline set of beliefs, you know? Like, I mean, that's a, that's a big Janeway thing. Like, kind of just, like... Like, if, if it means transgressing the things that we hold sacred, like, time to ram the fucking ship, you know? <laughs> but I mean, but that comes back to, to the idea that, like, Starfleet is kind of an elitist organization, but not in the bad way because it's a meritocracy. But, like, they talk a lot about how you have to, like, kind of be of the right stuff to be in Starfleet. Not to, like, parrot, like, fucking you sh- bullshit U.S. propaganda because being in the U.S. military just means you're going to bomb civilians. But, like, in Starfleet, sometimes, but, like, mostly. In Starfleet, it's just, like, you have to be ready to take those things on. You have to be ready to sacrifice yourself. You have to be ready to, to make the effort, you know? Well, I think um, it's ruling it's it's ruling down to the basic sense of purpose that a lot of people don't feel they have. Mm-hmm. Especially you know? under capitalism. And, and Starfleet creates a sense of purpose, but I can also say, like, this is a hot take. I think that Starfleet and some iterations and some parts of Star Trek, Starfleet is inherently capitalistic in clout. Um, it's in too that, much of a meritocracy, I think. It, in, in that your clout is your currency um, and that people don't inherently have the right to exist in Starfleet if they can't live up to their expectations. Then they go back to civilian life. I guess what they would say, I I hear you, but I guess what they would say is like, yeah, just like, we'll just be a Federation citizen, you know, just be like a... Go back to gardening. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, What's that guy's name? Soothby? What's the uh, the guy who hangs out at Starfleet headquarters? Who's always just like, ah, Picard! (laughs) Oh, yeah, the old gardener. Boothby, uh, Boothby. um, Boothby. (laughs) <laughs> well, so it's like it's a meritocracy, but also I don't know. They, I feel, I feel like Starfleet will mostly meet, you, like, will meet you more than halfway if you like if you have something to offer. If you want a desk and, job, we have it. Yeah, well, and also it's like it's like <laughs> Barclay. You do not belong in space, and goddamn, did they meet you just like more like they bent over backwards to find you a place where you'd be helpful. But he's but he, but he's smart though. Listen, I Barkley gets a nice redemption arc in Voyager, and I, no, I really he does. enjoy it very yeah. much. I, and he's also really hot in Voyager, uh, but that's uh, another story. <laughs> that's he um, does because they finally find him a place where he belongs, which the Enterprise, which the Enterprise was not. Like, like I do yeah, think that it's like you know, if you're like 
if there's a very real possibility of conflict in space, there is a point where it's like, yeah, it's a meritocracy, and some people aren't like aren't, just aren't built for that type of service. I when I first started watching it, I had a very tough time understanding the show. Doesn't really always do a very good job of showing what the ranking system is because the thing is, like, officers are a distinct class, just like in the U.S. military, right? Like having that red command uniform, like you are, you have much more training than like someone who's like a petty officer like O'Brien who technically has no rank. Um right? Like I mean Well O'Brien O'Brien talks about it and like it is I think it yeah, it does have to do with, you know, like a certain amount of schooling and education. So I mean the, yeah, I guess the education creates a class to some extent. See like he does he doesn't want to spend so, a certain amount of time. So O'Brien so O'Brien is not low ranked. He's simply an enlisted NCO. Rather so than he didn't a, go to the, than, rather he, than a commissioned officer. So okay, so he didn't is, go to the academy. So basically, like he's a glorified mercenary. <laughs> like what? yeah, like so. He's so, got the blood on his hands. So Cardassian blood. So only Master Chief Petty Officer outranks him, but he has parallel rankings to commissioned officers. So he has parallel rankings to like uh, Kira and stuff. So, okay. so like he has a different ranking, so he's responsible for other parts of his ranking. Not that he that she's in charge of him or he's in charge of her. They're just in charge of different shit. And since oh, on, that makes sense. On, since on well, Deep no, Space Nine, they... he's chief engineer on on Deep Space Nine, so he handles he's like literally making the shit work. So yeah, they don't bother him. him about that. And then if there's something dire that has to do with making the station work, then he has equal ranking in that moment. But otherwise, like he's not having equal ranking on dip- diplomatic matters or political matters or war based matters. We don't <laughs> we don't want O'Brien having war based <laughs> command powers <laughs> against the Cardi. Oh, I disagree. Well, they, jo- they I- joke. I, I mean, they they joke about uh, you know how O'Brien's going to have to call Nog Sir. You know. Yeah, yeah, they do. Shortly. I just watched that episode. So there is like you know there is there's definitely that's a, like, what yeah, being an NCO how- is. Yeah. Because well, because Knox going to the academy. Well, so how's that a parallel rank? I guess I mean because there's even the episode where you know like Bashir doesn't have any business making military decisions, but he can give and so, then get, but he can give O'Brien orders and court. Oh, that's a good point. So so basically, an NCO is a non-commissioned officer. So that means that they have been appointed by a commissioned officer, aka Cisco. So Cisco at any point can decide where, like where uh, O'Brien ranks. Because he's non-commissioned by the Federation. But Blair is right, though, that when they're in the field, though, in that one episode, it is Bashir that has the higher rank. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, yeah, he's commissioned. Yeah. 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 Oh, and, yeah. I yeah. see what you're saying. I see so, what you're saying. So I default Federation protocol, like like Starfleet pro- protocol, rather, uh, is, is in any situation, O'Brien has to be told by a commissioned officer that he's in charge or otherwise he's not in charge. I think the thing that when I first started watching the show, what really fucked with me is that I always got Ensign and Cadet confused. Like, my brain just kind of mixed the two. But that's not... Cadet is not officially, like, given a, like, rank, right? Like, a position. And Ensign is just the lowest rank, correct? Yeah, I, I believe, wrong? yeah, Cadets cadets are prospective Ensigns. Okay, okay, also, okay. Also, Ensign, an ensign. ensign is a naval term. Which goes back to what we've talked about in the past about how Starfleet is based off of naval culture. 
uh, annoyingly, I think. Yeah. I, that's a hot take. I have a real hot take. I think those are the worst parts of TNG. I, I, I think it's so awful that, but like... But that's, that's where ends is do used. That. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so, I, I can't stand when they do that stuff. When they're like, so oh, cadet, so <laughs> 19th century ship. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just so like, y'all are in spaceships. It's like apples and oranges, really. Cadets and ensigns. It's not... They don't... They don't line up like you could say that an ensign is a cadet, but you can't say a cadet is an ensign. It's like a square. <laughs> a square is a type of rectangle, but a rectangle isn't a square. <laughs> well, en- ensign or cadets traditionally also aren't on like starships unless no. it's like a training mission. No. Yeah, they're they're traditionally on Red not. Squad. Yeah, oh boy we'll, we'll talk oh actually about just that. Uh, one one more th- yeah, one more thing that I think will kind of bring us back into the episode. Um, is it Mendez is the admiral, right? Yes. We were talking about it earlier, and I think it is because I remembered Mendez. They 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 get a message from the real Mendez that is basically like, "All right, Kirk, proceed at your discretion. You know the uh, the death penalty is uh, rescinded." So we know that yeah, shuttle and onward, Mendez was an illusion, but Mendez is real and gave them orders at some. Okay, point that's what I thought. Okay, that's what I thought. So I, okay, I'm glad I read that so, correctly because I so wasn't So that sure. means that there was something, something unexplained about Spock's ability to let the Telosians infiltrate Kirk's mind. I mean, it would be it would be kind of funny if um, you know. All right, Mendez is alive. He was never on the shuttle. They summon him for the court. They create him for the court martial. But then, yeah, like Kirk's like. Yeah, no, it's like when we were ch- when we, when uh, you know myself and Mendez were chasing you on the shuttle. What? It's like that part was just him. That just that part, just was like Kirk a good switcheroo. Just a good switcheroo. Yeah. Like I, like at the end, they just like Kirk like goes to his quarters and he opens the closet and like Men- Mendez falls out, being like what? And there's like audience <laughs> clapping. Like, oh yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's just that part. That part was the part that I couldn't tie up. I'm like, okay, so Mendez was an illusion. When did he become the illusion? Like, when did that start happening? That's the one part that really like annoyed me when it was going on. I was just like, yeah. I think in the timeline of the episode, we're supposed to understand like from the show. From the show, he, that's like, what I like, thought. Kirk, yeah. Kirk gets on with an illusion. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> He's just an apple. Because guy. otherwise, because Mendez messes him from the ship and also, seems to have a pretty good idea of what the situation. That's true. Also, Spock was running around with a lot of floppy disks, and he could have very well had a floppy disk for the shuttle. You know, he was he was inserting those floppy disks all over town on that outpost. He could have very well just put one in the space shuttle and been like, all right, this is the Mendez program that the Telosian sent me. Spock is, I gotta say, like having, I, I know we talked about it beforehand, we're not going to talk about it too much here, but having just watched the J.J. Abrams movie for the first time, the first one, like, and, and seeing our beautiful boy, Leonard McCoy, or I mean, uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy, I, he is, I don't know that he's the best actor on the show, but he's probably doing the best work, I think. I mean, he understands who Spock is, like, so, like, intrinsically. The difference between Nimoy and Quinto to me is that Nimoy was meant to play an alien. Leonard Nimoy feels like you're experiencing interacting with an alien and Zachary Quinto is a very beautiful man who's good at being Spock. That's that's my take. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't have any I can't um I don't have anything to say against that. Uh yeah. 
but I don't know, like, it, you know, that's, uh, this is also when TV, like, TV still sought out, like, interesting, both visually and personality-wise people a lot more. Uh, yeah. A, yeah. A, a, a thing that has since vanished without a trace. Um, since, since we're riffing, I really enjoyed it. Just, like, maybe we can talk about for a second where it's just, like, the Telosians just kind of roast the women that Kirk is with. When they're in the cell. Oh yeah, they're like, you're the boring one, and you're the smart one, and you're the easy one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. It's very... It's like, yeah. you're, 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 an, you're an athletic, beautiful moron. Where's your, <laughs> your disgusting crone with a brain? <laughs> <laughs> I really like Majel. It really sucks. That, I mean, she got the kind of... like. I mean, I know she gets to do a lot on TNG and then DS9 as Loxana, who I like. Um, but like, like playing, uh, what is she, Christine Chapel? Like that shit sucks. Like she, she was literally the number two officer in the pilot. And then it's like, NBC is like, oh, hey, do you want to be this medic officer who maybe has one line in the first movie? Like, it's just like, that shit sucks. I feel so bad for her. And she's good. I like her as the first officer. Well, and it, yeah, it goes back to what we were talking about. Like on the last episode when Cam was like, why do you think that they had, uh, sexy outfits like what's the justification it's like there is none it was just the, it was how yeah. you got women on to roles in tv is you had to make them look attractive or else no one wanted to put them on tv because it was a bunch of yeah, old it's white cra- it's just crazy looking back now with how and which is unrecognized with, with hollywood being unrecognizable from that now. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah, doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Happen at all. Also, also definitely not run by sex pest. One hundred percent not the case. Um, I. Well, uh, Bones is not, like, I have a clip I want to play real quick. Bones is not what I would call a classically good-looking man, McCoy. But he gets the I mean, let's either if you want to fight me on that. No, I mean, he's not, like, a handsome leading man. I'm not attracted to him. He's not my type, but he's definitely, I get it. (laughs) He's very affable. (laughs) He's got a lot of personality. Here, I got to, I'll play this clip real quick. Uh, I just want to say that Bones cares about women and he cares about um pleasuring women you want to see me jump well don't look at me it's the troubles who are breeding i know him you don't get him off the ship it must be mccoy the ship's doctor mccoy how did all these troubles get on mccoy well the nearest thing i can figure out is that they're born pregnant which seems to be quite a time saver leonard mccoy I met him when he was a student at Old Miss. Who met him, Curzon? No. My host at the time was Emily. She was on Earth judging a gymnastics competition. I had a feeling he'd become a doctor. He had the hands of a surgeon. So it's canon that Bones uh, fingers women, which I support. I want I, honestly. This is a big. This is nothing to do with what we're talking about. But I would love to do like a prequel series that's just about Emony. Like it's just about one of the Daxes, but she's just a gymnast. She had to be a pretty good one though, because they they talk a lot about how like crazy hard it is to become a, a symbiote host. They talk all the time about how like insane it is to like. Was Emery Dax a people. human Dax? No, no, they're all they're all trill. They're all trill. Okay, I didn't know they're if there was trill. any. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if, I didn't know if humans could handle trills. No, no, I think it's for briefly. It's... Like Riker, Riker's a host for. Me. Well, yeah, Riker briefly but... hosts. A Wait, trill. what? I don't remember this. Yeah, girl, girl, there is a. What episode is this? <laughs> all right, hold on. I don't second. remember, but it is. I believe. I actually think no. it is just. I think it is the introduction of the trill because <laughs> they look different. They look completely different from DS Nine. 
Um, and it's what? like, yeah, it's way more of a body horror thing when the when they transfer the symbiote into Riker. I don't remember that. Uh, maybe I haven't seen all the TNG it is, episodes. It is season four, episode 23. It's called The Host. And Crusher struggles with her feelings for an alien diplomat when she discovers that his true form is a parasite that exists in host bodies. And it has to be transferred to bodies, and there's not a new body yet. So temporarily, you know the rest. Every time I saw an episode that said Crusher, like it has a love affair or something of that nature. I, I think what happened in this case, as in most cases, is I just hit the next button and just went to the next episode. <laughs> like, like I like romance episodes. I like all the Deanna Troy ones, but I just, I'm sorry, I just cannot fuck with some of these Crusher episodes. I don't even dislike Crusher, but it's just like, I don't know. You read that, you read that description and then you're just like, well, the next episode is Borgs in it. So, you know, <laughs> like... I, I wanted to talk about the philosophy and progression of the Telosians and how they're an endlessly intellectual society. With I don't know, what do y'all think? I'm a little bit skeptical that they're a purely intellectual species, I think. I think because that's what they want people to think. They want yeah, that image, because, exactly. Yeah. Because I think that they're, honestly, they're more of like, maybe hedonistic isn't quite right, but like, because what they really are is voyeurs. You know, they want new experiences. They want new shows to watch. They, you know, like they have, they already have, like, they, if anything, they're losing their technological prowess, you know? Yeah. Or, Cause no innovation. So, but yeah, like, it really is. They've become incredibly complacent with this one gift that they have while they're, yeah. While they try well, and wait for their biosphere to become habitable. Again. That That's the thing that hits me a lot when I'm like really, really high and I'm watching this show, like any of the episodes is that like, it's not just that stuff like the, like what nerds what like new atheist nerds and all those like fucking dipshits like get wrong is it's not just scientific and technological progress but it's innovation specifically it's applying these things to a spur of the moment like that's what's so good about like like starfleet encourages creative thinking it encourages people applying very dramatic and interesting solutions and that that's what usually it's gets open them out to of new escape. ideas Exactly. That's what usually gets them out of a scrape. Whereas like other species will just get like fucking blown up. Is that like, like, like some engineering officer will be like, oh, well, if I manipulate the warp core and, and add like, you know, like a 22% <laughs> Polaron beam, like, but it's like a Cardassian would never think of that because Cardassians are too by the book. Well, and They're also, way too as regimented. far as we can tell, there's only a handful of Telosians. There's only a handful of them. Yeah. So they're hyper intelligent yeah. and there's probably 15 of them. And all they have is their human TV. <laughs> and the Telosians, they only had each other the whole time to extend their intelligence. So so you can imply that their intelligence was honed through meditation and and mental focus. You know, like it's more of a monk type thing because they don't have a society anymore. So well, I there's, no di- yeah. there's no dialectics. There's no there's yeah. no like having a thesis meet with an antithesis and trying yeah. to come to some kind of synthesis. Like, so so it turns into building the brain as a muscle, which is literally what they depicted. Just big old penis heads. Like yeah. you know. <laughs> and and so like building the brain as just a muscle is like so useless. <laughs> well, and the other thing, the other thing too is you become uh you become stuck in confirmation bias. At, yeah. Like like you become in like stuck in almost like a feedback loop loop in that like you you you're right. If that's all you're going for and if that's what you've achieved, there's suddenly no like I, I I hate to keep saying the word innovate, but there just is no like desire to try and do things that are new, that are outside well, of the, the well, prescribed. That, that plays into limitations. ego. 
Because intelligence is always tied to ego, unless you don't want it to be, unless you're Chekhov, that beautiful man. Mm, Chekhov yeah. is the only person in Star Trek that has genius without ego. And that's why he knows everything and doesn't try to fucking <laughs> do anything besides wait till someone asks him to help. Whereas intelligence otherwise, unfettered intelligence will come with ego because you don't understand why somebody can't, can't get on your level. Like... <laughs> Chekhov is my favorite character, I think, from the original series. I, re- I really like uh, Anton Yelchin. Well, that was kind of the basis of the eugenics wars. Was yeah, it's like oh, the, the superiority true. complex that that yeah. breeds leads you they're, to they're... dominate and uh, go crazy. Well, to the point that they're they're like actually like they say it a couple times in Enterprise. They're like actually incapable of of, of holding their ego back. That's their like that's their weakness. And they say it in Rafa a lot that they're actually like like mentally un they they cannot stop. Well, you know what's and, you know are. what's interesting about this episode is that you know they say you know um, Vina says to to Pike like the only thing they can't track is your primal emotions, but really what's driving the Velosians is the primal emotion of ego. I don't know. They're they're, they're kind of interesting because on the one hand they have this they have this um, extreme yeah like you say you like you say this extreme arrogance or disregard for kind of lower species, but it's it's kind of countered by the fact, you know, it's like the reason they don't want help from, you know, the galactic community is, as I recall, that they don't want their type of mindset that destroyed their culture to, you know, basically proliferate. So they're self-loathing, too. That's another, mm. that's another primal. Mm. It's like, yeah, like they believe they're superior, but they also know that their society failed and maybe there's like, I think there's maybe a conflict there. That's that really interesting. Yeah. We're being really hard on them, but I, again, I think this is a really sweet episode. Like, like I, I, I'm for like the way it ends. It's sweet in how Spock has discovered That's true. That's the true. correct way to do this. They're like, we should just shoot him in the head. He can't move. He's worthless. Like, <laughs> throw him out a fucking airlock. <laughs> but there's also, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, like maybe coming, maybe like maybe coming. Like, I don't know. Coming from maybe my side of things there's also it's like your EMT training yeah well i mean i'm just saying well not even my not even my emt training just like my experience in hospitals it's like i also think that there's i mean like, there's a very real difference between that's know, for, lack of, for, for lack of a term differently abled and just it's like there's a lot of people where i mean there's that's why physically DNRs unable are, to move it's like that's why dnrs exist it's like there is a point and maybe again pike might have been at it where it's like uh, maybe don't i'm not saying you know i'm not saying you know purge him but maybe don't <laughs> resuscitate him if lock. something happens <laughs> like it's more analogous to the hell of locked in syndrome yeah i think he's got his entire cognitive functions i think i think so but like who knows what level that is like who knows what level that is of that like he is suffering continuously and that's what spock saw you know, like he was just yeah, sitting, yeah, he was sitting around beeping in a room before Spock got there. That's all he was doing. And he was scared when Spock got there in part one. Spock got there. and He's like, no, no, no. Leave me alone, motherfucker. Yeah. Well, and I think that the horror, I mean, part of the horror of the episode is, I mean, like he has to be fully, he has to be fully um, cogent, you mm. know, because I think that that is kind of the multiplying horror of being trapped in that situation. Yeah, that, I think yeah. Since, I, you know, I, I if you have to, if you, if you're totally diminished, I mean, like it doesn't really matter whether you can move your arms or not. Well, because he, him and her have the same affliction. They're both like horribly like like they're they're both disabled to a point of. I mean, hers is more of kind of like a like a really spooky grotesque 
Like, yeah. I mean, that that is like Star Trek. The original series has the scariest sci-fi shit ever, ever, ever to be on it's, media. Like, like that. Yeah. What they did with her that is such a terrifying concept. These aliens that are trying to help that reconstruct a, a broken body in the wrong way. Like that. Yeah. That is top tier terror. Let me play that clip real quick where she says what happens to her body. Like what happened to her body. They found me in the wreckage, dying. Lump of flesh. They rebuilt me. Everything works. But they had never seen a human. They had no guide for putting me back together. Humpty Dumpty. That shit is horrifying. Oh, yeah. TOS has the most species that just, like, get bugs out by the Great Filter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, TOS is really scary. That's honestly what stops me from watching it sometimes, is that I just have to be in the right headspace. Because, like, I mean, their casualty count on TOS is huge. Red shirts all the time mm-hmm. are getting blasted. Like, on, on TNG, it's, like, not that common. DS9 and, and Voyager, it's a little more common, but... I think... This episode sets the stage for all like future Trek's uh, body horror. Yeah, but this series especially. Oh, I gotta bring this up before I forget. Uh, I know we're we're gonna probably talk about it in a later episode. The the first JJ film. Why the fuck is Pike like a hundred years old in that movie? Like it's with this this episode takes place much longer after when that movie takes place, and Pike is like twenty years older. I honestly think it's just that there weren't enough Trekkies on the production writing to, to give a shit. They were just like there Pike's weren't the name. enough. He's just his there name weren't is enough. Pike. It, it there weren't enough people. Abrams said himself in interviews that he doesn't care about Star Trek when he took it on. Oh my god. Well, he doesn't oh. care about Star Wars apparently either. You, well, you know why they picked him. He had been building this repertoire of knowing these all these different different production companies that make it real and make it look good that they said, "You know what? You want to do this?" He said, "Yeah, I'll do it. I'm going to do Star Wars too. <laughs> I'll do it all, man." Yeah, 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 and I'll just like, take a fucking tur- turd. I mean, again, uh, to the audience, get ready, because we are going to talk. It's, if, if they don't pick it, I'm picking it for my next episode, is we're going to talk about that fucking movie, because my... I have a lot to say. <laughs> All right, you have been transported by Spock to Talus Four, and you've decided that you're going to have your heaven on Talus Four. What's your heaven on Talus Four look like? What's your requirement to be there? I'll. I know mine. So if anybody else wants to go first, you can go first. You go I, first. I'm ready you know to yours. go. Okay, this <laughs> is going to dox me to some degree. Uh, but for any South Florida heads, anyone from the Broward County area, I have very, very, very fond memories um, of going to the Fashion Mall in Plantation, Florida, with my grandmother and brother. And then later when I was in high school, we would go and smoke there and graffiti the place up. And for me, I think my like Talos like fantasy would just be like that, like just an endless simulation of that mall, like just on like, like in a bunch of different settings. Like sometimes it's an abandoned mall where I can like fuck around. Sometimes it's like full of people. Sometimes I can go, I can go fuck around in the food court. Sometimes I can go hang out in the, uh, like at the, the Brookstone, like, um, just like I don't know. I mean, fuck it. If you know, if it's just going to be your fantasy and has no consequence on anything else, I think I'd live that mall vaporwave life. 
<laughs> peace. Um, I think it'd be great. You know, it's like to be in some sort of like a like a barren place where I could create the society, like some sort of wasteland that I could build Ooh. a society in. Uh, <laughs> that's just what they're I living. Like that. Um, I like that. <laughs> King Blast summons you. No, yeah, yeah. No, I like I live. I live road work. No, I mean that's just the society they're building <laughs> anyway. But um, <laughs> well, you'll get that regardless, so don't worry. <laughs> You're gonna get that fantasy in this society as well. Exactly. <laughs> All right, no, Dustin. Uh, yeah. Oh no, Blair, you finish. Um, no, I I only had a goof one. No, go ahead, Dustin. <laughs> I think I'd have something similar to you, Blair, but it's already constructed, and and it'd be like a really cool island with like lots of tropical stuff, and it would be all the people I care a lot about and they all have their own house and stuff and their own little dwelling and I can just go visit them whenever I want. Uh, Dustin, it's called animal crossing. I know I was about to get there. <laughs> you didn't get, you don't let me get there. <laughs> well, want, it's, when it's that obvious, I can't not say let it. Me, let me. I want to so, live on an island where I'm a landlord of all my friends. <laughs> a raccoon landlord. I'd go visit them to collect rent. But also <laughs> I do want challenges. I would I would still want a place that has some adversity or emotional conflict between everybody every once in a while. Nothing serious, nothing scary. Just like feeling out our emotions together and still enjoying that part of life because I think that it would be hell to have a heaven that is endlessly happy and endlessly pleasant. Oh yeah, all yeah, the yeah. That's why time. I want. That's why I want an abandoned mall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's an it's an island paradise, but there's one homo. <laughs> there's, a, yeah, there's an island paradise, but we can't decide on what flavor of soft surf to drink to eat tonight. <laughs> did you, what did you, did you say that you said the name was Little St. James? Is that what you said? The island was? <laughs> <laughs> I think been that's there. every episode we've made a Little St. James joke. Um, just you. <laughs> uh, well, okay, well then I'll bounce off yours and say my second choice would just be li- to live in Stardew. Marry Leah, just farm, make a bunch of berries, like ride a horse around, like take care of my sheep and my... And my right. cows. And, there you and, go. You there know, you go. Uh, just chop down some wood. No, I mean my real one is probably uh, you know uh, a couple of years after college, I got you know I got to do this volunteer thing in the Amazon, uh, where basically Ooh. I was just like I was just like you know like the grunt who carried you know who car- who uh, cleared trail and carried equipment for scientists who were doing actual research out there. Oh whoa! Um, and so it's like. Mine might just be, it's like, I can bring, yeah, like I say, you know, bring more friends, but it's just like, yeah, I just kind of hang out there and uh, help with expeditions and, uh, and, but I can also go back and walk, get cable and stuff. That'd be, the, that'd be my big, that'd be my big change. I can get it's very Chakotay of you. And Blair, <laughs> you're still a better person than us in every a- aspect of I don't know. I don't know you're, you're, true, st- but... you're still like in, in, you're still picturing like impoverished people you need to help in your heaven. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's mostly animals and, but <laughs> no, I'm not, you're don't, don't you dare paint me as one of the African girls. Um, one of the what girls? <laughs> what do you call of one of what girls? One of the semester, you know, the semester in Africa girls. Oh, oh yeah, God. Yeah. That's no. what I thought you were going to say at first. Oh, oh, where they, where they make sure to get like a few photos of them with like a bunch of small African children, like crowded yeah. around them. No, exactly. This was, this was purely me working, working my ass off in the jungle and I mean, and definitely not having a lip of cocoa weed pack. Okay, well, I, 
<laughs> Can I say this point real quick that I, I've never heard anyone say this before, but like Starfleet is like the exact opposite of fucking Christian missionaries. Do you remember when that guy got uh, iced when he tried to go to that island and they shot him full of arrows? Oh, yeah. A piece of shit. Like, yeah, that's like... why the prime directive exists. That's like literally why the prime <laughs> directive exists. So you're not some dipshit trying to fucking wade ashore on, on some island and yeah, just get 18 arrows <laughs> through your chest. Yeah. Like what happens to uh, who and who watches the watchers? I think. Yeah, 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 Picard gets shot with an arrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By Ray Weiss, by Le- Leland Palmer. No, he it's the Sen- Sentinelese is the name of the um the people that that guy yeah. tried to. Mm-hmm. Right, and actually, right. before he went there, it had been decades since someone had tried to. Because... Oh, yeah, they're the, aren't they mm-hmm. like the most, they're like literally the most isolated? No, actually, like, the sent- there, like... the, uh, it's, it's funny because I was just looking at this like the other day. So I actually <laughs> have some some facts in my head. Uh, the Sentinelese, the island that they inhabit is the size of Manhattan. And there's only a few hundred of them. So mm-hmm. at, that we know of. Um yeah, yeah, so, yeah, we're not going there taking yeah, the stock. So yeah, exactly. So they have like Manhattan to themselves. Like that sounds awesome. I wouldn't want anyone to show up. I'd I'd shoot them with an arrow. Like get off my island. <laughs> Claire, maybe we can do a little real estate, a little oh. zoning development. <laughs> oh, put a little um, bit of a, a little East Village here. <laughs> really good. <laughs> and on that note, everyone stay away from Talus Four. Let them do their thing. Is that is is the rule still on the books at the end of this episode? Like, will you still get executed for going there? Do they ever say that that if that law has been rescinded? Well, I think Mendez makes an exception to it. So unless there's something else that gets mentioned, uh, I think it's like yeah, like there's still one fair you know, game. There's one exception. No, no, there's one exception oh, oh, for Kirk, <laughs> which I would say implies that it stays on the books. Basically, but. like they let Pike go there, and then maybe maybe somehow they breeded humans out of his seed out of him. Right. I, I think it's like they make an exception. Would you ever do anything with that? Would you ever, like, if you were in charge of, like, a new show or something, would you ever bring Talos 4 back? I don't think I could do anything very interesting I don't know if I would bring Talos 4 back, but I would bring a rogue Talosian on an escape ship. Oh, that'd be cool. I really like the idea of bringing in, like, old enemies as as Federation officers. I really, like, if I were doing a Federation story, I would love to have, like, a Cardassian, or I would love to have, um, I mean, a Bajoran, obviously, but just any of the classically antagonistic or, like, outsider species, I think wearing that uniform is always, like, a nice nod to the ultimate goal of, like, the Federation. Um, I I would not put a Breen in that uniform, but, you know, (laughs) they don't have blood, so it's, you know, they can't take their physical. Uh, Blair, do you have anything you do with Telosians in future Star Trek episodes to round out this episode? We both talked about it a little. How about you? Nope. They've said what they had. They've said what's to be said. <laughs> oh, the gangster planet would actually be pretty cool. I might actually do that. Like, they go back to the gangster planet. Yeah. And they've, like, yeah. evolved into, like, new types of gangsters. Okay, I got one. The Enterprise takes... Four Telosians to Ryza to experience the pleasures and worlds of Ryza with the Enterprise crew. <laughs> I think they would experience Ryza in much the same way that Worf did, which is just uh, visceral disgust and immediately joining a right wing faction. Sounds good to me. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, according to Memory Alpha, actually, um, uh, there's a there was a Voyager crew member who is her whose planet of origin is stated to be Talos Four. What? No way! That's crazy. How can we never before see her before the braining? Before the braining, 
<laughs> but for, well, I guess it would have to, it'd have to be after. No, it'd have that, to be. Yeah, after I was going to say the brain like way, way after. Post-brainening. <laughs> okay, it's, she's got to be a human then. She's got to be one of like... She's got to be, gotta like be a descendant a Pike of... And Vina. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Lieutenant Adele Simmons. Do we ever see her? Uh, so she's Vina and Pike's love baby. No, she's she's like a, I mean, like honestly, she's more of just like a reference. They, you know, she's just someone who appears on a lot of consoles. It okay. seems okay. like. Okay, I have a this. I have a good fun fact to end this episode. Have right. you ever looked up the species that uh, Naomi Wildman is part of? Is like half of the cart. Uh, car, um, what are they called? The uh, there's something with a K. Um, but do you know who they are? Because the girl I from do. Voyager. The little girl from Voyager. Uh, her name is Naomi Wildman. Like, I know. Boy, I'm I... just for the sake of our audience. Like you just our audience throw can fuck out. off if they don't know who Ma- <laughs> Naomi Wildman is. Um, I have no patience or respect for them. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but she's. Um, do you remember the episode where where uh, fucking Riker brings that video game on the yeah? Enterprise? The ga- it's called the game. Yeah. Yeah. Car- Car- Cartesians or something, but that's exa- that's who her her father is of that species. Which I don't understand where the horns come from because I looked them up and I can't find any of them that have horns. But you know, well, whatever. I guess like you think Ashley Judd would ever do Star Trek again? You think they could ever get her in the uniform again? Uh, after... Depends on the paycheck, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Ashley, here's a billion dollars. I don't know. Uh, thanks for picking this episode, Blair. Yeah, I figured it was it was time. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we did TOS finally. It's a it's a repackaging of the pilot that people didn't get to see in the first place, and they also like put a really sweet ending to it, and I appreciate that. Who's uh who's next? I want to give our audience like a a little bit of a like peek of is it you, Dustin, or is it Cam? I don't remember. I went... <laughs> okay, do you have any idea which ep- which show you want to pick from? Do you have any idea of what maybe episode you might? I, do? I mean, you can change it. No, my pressure. next episode will possibly be picking from drumroll <gasps> enterprise hell yeah i might be picking i, I miss I, I miss enterprise it's been a while <laughs> i i haven't picked enterprise yet so i gotta dig into those later series Ooh, oh, i'm really shoot. interested what cam i think cam's gonna do voyager i think i've kind of, or ds9 cam's been on it i know he's been messaging me privately he's been on a big ds9 he's like, he's like recently <laughs> more <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's been like he'll he'll like message me all the time about like how hot everyone on the show is. Like he's he's definitely probably gonna do DS Nine, but I'm definitely doing the JJ movie. I really all right, all right, all right. Nola's bringing a movie next. Watch out, everybody. Uh, As for Cam and I, we're gonna bring another episode, but Nola's ready to bring a movie, and I think we'll be ready for it. Think that might be a two-parter that episode. Yeah. Oh yeah, a movie needs to be a two-parter. There's no way we're gonna get that into an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Little peek behind the curtain little peek how the sausage gets made a little a little peek how the leola stew gets made whoever's listening thank you so much um i'm sorry and thankful at the same time it's a very no i'm gonna push this i'm gonna push moving forward i'm gonna be more aggressive and pushing all right let's be aggressive i'm not sorry you like it you love it yeah yeah no i'm not sorry (laughs) i'm just like janeway when she killed two vicks i'm not sorry yeah yeah well signing off uh officer dustin Chief Medic Blair. Uh, Chekhov saying uh, goodbye. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at SubprimePod and Instagram at SubprimeDirective. Directive.